Greetings, adventure. Welcome to the D20 Academy podcast. My name is Shalok Kaneshiro, and this is episode 23, the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica Review, part 2. Hey guys, welcome to the second part of my review of uh, Wizards of the Coast's original product, the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Um, if you haven't already, go check out the first part, um, uh, the episode I posted last week. I give an overview of the book and the campaign setting, as well as all the new character creation options. Uh, it was a lot of fun to make. Uh, I really love this book a lot, so go check out the first part if you haven't already. Um, this second part will be more focused on the Dungeon Master-related aspects of the book, like the details of the setting, creating adventures in this world to the new items, the bestiary in the back with all new stat block for monsters and creatures, uh, it, the, about the sample adventure it supplies, um, and just also like my conclusions on the book and what I liked about it, what I didn't like about it. That's all going to be in this part. Um, so where I live is more focused on Dungeon Master related things. Uh, I still encourage players to listen to it. I don't spoil anything. Um, there's nothing in either part of this review that would ruin anything for a player playing in this campaign. Um, but anyway, let's just, uh, I have a lot to talk about today. Um, this is going to be a really cool one, so let's just get right into it. So really quick, I just want to recap um, on this this book and, and the campaign setting. Um, if you haven't either, li- either haven't listened to the first episode, uh, the first part, or, you know, you listened to it last week and you haven't listened to it since, um, so this book is uh, an original, it's like a actual official product from Wizards of the Coast, the company that owns Dungeons & Dragons. Um, it's a 5th edition product, it's used, uh, it's made for uh, play in 5th edition Dungeons and & Dragons, and it's basically just a book that uh, provides a campaign setting, a world that uh, playgroups can play their D&D campaign uh, inside of. It has all the information someone needs to, you know, play uh, a, a campaign here. They have, like, all these new character creation options, all this information for the Dungeon Master, information on the world itself, all of that stuff. Um, but just a real quick recap, so everything I start explaining from now on makes sense to you. Uh, it's, it's set in the world of Ravnica, which is actually a world that originated from the game Magic the Gathering. Um, and it's basically just the, the whole world is a city. It's just a super expansive city. Um, it's pretty technologically advanced. Um, I think they have like some, some airships and they have all this technology. They have uh, sewage systems and energy power and electricity and stuff like that. Um, and it's ruled by 10 different guilds, um, which each kind of represent a different focus and a different um, aspect of, of kind of civilization or lack thereof. Uh, it's a it's a really cool world. Uh, it you know it has chapters on each of the different guilds, rules for playing, on uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the new character creation options it provides are uh, quite a lot actually, like like five or six new races that players can choose from. Um, some like I think two new subclasses, as well as just information on how different classes and races fit into this world, and also, of course, the info on each of the ten guilds and playing a character within those guilds. Um, that's definitely the highlight of the book. I'll get into, you know, once again, the best stuff and the worst stuff in, in the uh, conclusion at the end of this episode. Um, but what you need to understand is that Ravnica is this big um, city, uh, plain-wide city, basically, um, that's ruled by these ten guilds that are all kind of like vying for power and have this tentative peace. All right, so um, the first thing I want to talk about here is kind of the setting, the the information, and the details on the world and the location that the book provides. Okay, so the book itself provides um, basically all the information and locations 
in, in something called the 10th district, which is just one of dozens of districts in the whole uh, worldwide city of Ravnica. Um, pretty, I don't know how many districts there are. I'm not sure if it's ever mentioned anywhere, but I know there's like tons of districts because the entire plane is covered in this city. Um, but they just provide information and a gorgeously illustrated map of uh, the 10th district, which is, is pretty big and sizable. Um, it's split into six precincts, um, which is just like kind of six different, um, I'd say districts, except apparently districts are bigger, um, but six different sections um, of the 10th district. Uh, has lots of good information on special locations within there, the guild presences in each of the precincts and all of that. Um, really good, uh, really helpful. I'd suggest if you're going to be playing uh, a Ravnica campaign to set it in within the 10th district because that's where all the books, basically all the books information is provided within the 10th district. I'm pretty sure like every card or story beat um, mentioned in any Magic the Gathering products um, is all set within the 10th district. It basically has the most important things uh within it uh it's kind of the hub of all the guilds and um all, all the conflict and interesting things all are in the 10th district so i'd suggest just playing your campaign in the 10th district but you can also i guess play play uh you know out of the 10th district in another district or have players leave the 10th district um and then from there you kind of just i guess have to make things up on your own because i'm not sure there's lots of information provided on anything outside of the 10th district uh definitely not in the book but i don't like think in in the, on the internet or any other um kind of canon things uh created uh on the side of match of the gathering now i'll go over each of the pre the six precincts um separately i'll just go briefly describe each one once again i don't want to be reading exactly from the text of the book i want you guys to be able to get the book yourself explore it more deeply if you want to um, i don't want to bore you guys all with all the details and, and all the nitty-gritty things um but I do want to talk about kind of what appears in each uh, in in this chapter about the tenth district, about all these places. Um, excuse me if you hear like pages turning. I do have the book in front of me to reference here. Um, there are cool tables in each each precinct. There's kind of like a, a short chapter on each precinct, um, and one of those tables is called People and Rumors, which are tables of colorful NPCs or interesting plot hooks and gossip the party may encounter while in that zone. Um, I really like the inspiration it provides, as well as solidifying the precinct as different from the others, right? Because each precinct kind of has its own focus and guild presence, um, and having this table of NPCs they might run into or gossip they might hear kind of helps um, p the, the party understand the focus of this this precinct, as well as just provide interesting kind of story hooks and NPCs. Um, so I, I really do like it. This book has a ton of tables, um, which I'll get into more later on uh, in this episode, but... There are tons of tables featured within this book um, with all different kinds of things, mostly just for like little inspiration and little story hooks uh, just to get players or dungeon masters invested and excited. Um, so I do really like that. Um, also, on each precinct, there's information about the law and crime, uh, including how common enforcers of the law are in the area, the response time to a crime, and the enforcer's size uh, and makeup, as well as the crime rates within each precinct. Uh, which is also really nice and cool uh, since, you know, the entire setting is a city and law and crime. It takes up a big part of, of the theme and the story. Um, it's good that it's very helpful for Dungeon Master that it has all this information. Um, it should also be noted that immediately beneath Ravnica is something called the City Works, which is basically like pipes, plumbing, uh, transit tunnels. And this is run by the Izzet League, which is one of the, the guilds. Um, but this City Works area can also include like vaults of the Orzhov, 
hideouts for the Demir, laboratories for the Simic. Um, and then beneath the city works is basically this dark, dangerous land known as the Undercity. Um, it's just, there's no, the sun does not reach it. Um, it's like dark, decrepit ruins and, and collapsed locations where the Golgari swarm, uh, one of the guilds primarily thrives down there. Not a ton of information is provided on the city works or the undercity, except for just basic key locations and a very brief summary. Um, so that is something that is, that is really not, that does that the book doesn't really go into too deep detail in. Um, so I think if you're going to have encounters or stories that, that bring the party into the city works or into the undercity, that um, you'd have to, as a dungeon master, make up some of that on your own, um, as not a lot of information is provided. Okay, now let's just get into uh, the precincts right now, starting with precinct one. Um, this precinct is kind of focused on leisure and luxury. Uh, it's kind of like a touristy location. Um, basically, all the guilds have presence here, but primarily the Azorius, Orzov, and Celestia guilds. Um, once again, if you're kind of confused with what these guilds are, um, you can go ahead and listen to the last uh, episode, part one of this review, where I t kind of talk about the focus of each guild. Um, uh, some notable locations in Precinct 1 is the uh, Chamber of the Guild Pact. Now, if you remember in the first part uh, of this review, I explained how Ravnica uh, is held together, the piece is held together by something called the Guild Pact, which is magical pact that each of the ten guilds signed long ago to make sure there was peace, and you can't break the peace uh, you, because you can't break, break this magical contract. And so this, uh, there's this, there's this kind of building called the Chamber of the Guild Pact, um, which is guildless. It's not associated with any guild, um, but it's kind of like a big uh, building where people like meet and stuff to discuss, making sure the peace is being kept and the Guild Pact and everything is under control. Um, another key location within the Precinct One is Orzova, which is the main guild hall of the Orzov Guild. Um, it's kind of like a church, but also kind of like a bank it's a little confusing um but you know it, it, it's kind of the every every guild has its own guild hall um and orzova is this big kind of castle palace um that serves as the orzov guild hall uh, i'm pretty sure i mention every single guild hall in 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 the description over the next few minutes of all the different precincts but i think one of them is that the uh i think dusk mantle is the demir guild hall and that's actually in the the undercity so yeah I think everything else is, is on the surface, though. Um, and also, there's in Precinct 1, there's a location called the Viscopa Bank, which is this big bank owned by the Orzov, um, kind of filled with spirits who, who owed a debt to the Orzov, and they died. They still owed the debt, so they returned to spirits to continue paying off their debt. Um, once again, there's information on kind of the goods and services, the imports and exports, uh, a bigger, more zoomed-in, more detailed map of the Precinct, um, information on the law and crime, the people and rumors, tables, um, once again, I don't want to get into all of those because that's for you guys to read and discover if you get the book yourself. Um, and of course, the gorgeous Magic of the Gathering art. Uh, okay, getting into Precinct 2. Um, this one's kind of lawful, modest, very commercial. Um, the primary guild presences here are Azorius, Boros, and Orzov. Um, some of the locations are New Prov, which is the guild hall of the Azorius, where it's like this big uh, uh, triangular... Uh, section of land where there's three big towers and each tower is dedicated to executive judicial legislative branches of uh, of law um, for the Azorius guild there's also Whitestone which is like this nice lawful neighborhood uh, and there's Griffin Heights which is kind of this neighborhood 
that is kind of controlled through fear by the Orzov and their enforcers. Uh, and there's also this location called Augustan Height, which is Augustan Heights, um, or Augustan Station, rather, um, that is kind of this main airship station uh, where airships kind of dock in port. Uh, I don't know if I noticed, know, like said this in the first uh, part, but there's lots of like floating little islands and floating buildings um, all over Ravnica, uh, which is depicted very beautifully in all the art art as well. So I think that's kind of how the airships uh, transport people between these kind of flying lo- these floating locations and to the rest of the city. Um, once again, uh, information on the law and crime and all of that, uh, people and rumors. Getting on to Precinct 3, this one's kind of focused on nature, comfort. It's very lush uh, and green. Um, the presence here is primarily Selesnia and also sometimes Gruul uh, because the, the Gruul clans kind of raid in from the north sometimes. Uh, basically, uh, it's kind of just ruled by the Selesnia though. Basically, it has a big Selesnia presence. Um, Vitugazi is here, which is this massive tree, and that serves as the guild hall of the Selesnia, as well as some other places, including a neighborhood called Beast Haven, um, where, like, it's like a neighborhood of Selesnia people where everyone, like, owns pets. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. In Precinct 4, this one's, uh, very noisy. It's focused on excitement, restlessness. Um, the guilds prim- here primarily are Boros, Izzet, Gruul, and Rakdos. Um, there's Sunhome here, which is, uh, this big, like, fortress barrack, uh, center that serves as the Boros Guild Hall. Um, there's Nivix, which is this crazy tower with, like, crackly lightning, and there is a, uh, there's a beautiful painting of it, uh, in, in this portion. That serves as the Guild Hall of the Izzet. Um, there's this area called the Red Wastes in the north, which are basically just, like, this whole sector, this whole neighborhood that's in ruins and is ruled by the Gruul clans. And, uh, then there's Skarg, uh, which is within the Red Wastes, which is, like, this big, uh, building that's kind of half-ruined, um, that kind of serves as a somewhat guild hall for the, the Gruul clans. Um, it, this is the closest thing that the Gruul clans would have to, to a guild hall as well. Okay, getting into Precinct 5, this is focused on information, learning, art, um, primarily Simic, Izzet, and Demir have presence here. Um, so notable locations are Zonot 7, which is this big underground ocean, and within Zonot 7 is Zemek, which is the guild hall of the Simic guild. Um, there's this neighborhood called the Blister Coils, which basically is like this big tinkering experimentation neighborhood for tinkerers and scientists. Um, there's Prism University, which is this big prestigious university, and Ismary Library, which is this really big library right next to the university. Um, in Precinct 6, there's commerce, transportation, crime is kind of what it's focused on. Um, uh, the primarily Orzov, Golgari, Boros, and Rakdos have presences here. Um, one of the notable locations is the Smelting Quarter, which is this big, uh, neighborhood that's kind of the heart of the manufacturing industry. Um, and it also holds Kamen Fortress, or Cayman Fortress, I don't know how to pronounce it, which is this big Boros fortress that, uh, and kind of barracks that houses people, um, soldiers to kind of fight, uh, or not fight, but, uh, keep the Rakdos and the other kind of chaotic, uh, guild presences, uh, in this district down. There is the Gore House, which is this, uh, Rakdos-owned club that leads down into the Undercity, down into Rick's Madi, which is the guild hall of the Rakdos. And there is Deadbridge Chasm, which is like this uh, big chasm uh, within the 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 precinct that that leads down to the Undercity and also to Karozda, which is the Guild Hall of the uh, Golgari. 
Okay, so that's kind of an overview of all the precincts of the 10th district. And now I kind of want to talk about creating adventures, running, uh, running adventures and stories within Ravnica. Okay, so this this uh, creating adventures chapter is a great chapter. It includes all the information and inspiration needed to to DM adventures in Ravnica. Um, I am extremely pleased at the detailed lengths that the team at Wizards of the Coast went to to inject as much as they could into this campaign setting. Um, I really like all, all all everything they provide in this um, in this chapter, all the tables and all that kind of stuff. Really, really cool. I love it a lot. Um, now, the bulk of this chapter is helping with guild based adventures. Um, basically adventures that are inspired by a specific guild. Um, since Ravnica is based around these 10 guilds and so much things swirls around it, so many things are centered around it, including like the, the character creation, um, each of the characters themselves. Uh, I think they're the, the, the main thing to draw inspiration from and run adventures based on these different guilds um, because they're just the most interesting and the, the coolest aspect of the, um, of, of the campaign setting, and I think the, the team realized that as well. So... They have a whole whole big section based on running adventures within each guild. Um, e- each kind of guild section provides guild locations um, and like kind of guild location goals and location connections. Uh, each of these has their own map diagram of like a, a typical building that has to do with that guild, whether it be a temple or a or a police station or a club, whatever it is. A description of it, a description of kind of each room really cool it also includes um a list of like villains that might come from that guild um and like the activity and their goals that this villain might have as well as using uh, a villain from this guild to be your bb your campaign's bbeg right your campaign's main antagonist there's a section on character objectives things they might have um goals they might have uh that have to do with this guild um whether it be like stealing from them or working with them whatever it is and also a great table full of adventure hooks that have to do with this guild um, there's also a great section on which guilds uh, fit best depending on the type of adventure you want to run. So if you want to run a dungeon delve or a wilderness, plots and intrigue, mystery, disaster, protection, um, depending on the kind of adventure you want to run, they have uh, kind of tables for each of these of which guilds fit best into uh, into this kind of this type of adventure. There's a small section on conflict between guilds. Um, there's a whole section on involving characters into the adventure and plotline, tables on the villain's methods, complications, and guild intrigue, and it's just crazy. There's so much information in this chapter that's really inspiring and really helpful. Um, I'm not going to go into each guild's info, um, but I've read through this chapter multiple times, and I love the inspiration and details it provides. Okay, this is a really, really good chapter. It has lots of good uh, information and inspiration for a dungeon master. Um, and now I kind of want to talk about at the end. At the end of this this chapter is um, uh, something called Krenko's Way, uh, which is kind of this very short uh, adventure um, for four to six first level uh, characters, and it's kind of used as an introductory, <clears throat> excuse me, introductory adventure uh, to the setting. Um, so, like, if you were to run a campaign, this might be the first adventure you'd run um, to start off the campaign. It might be a one shot you'd run just to get your player familiar with the setting and all of that. Um, and this adventure can have characters from any class or guild or anything like that. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything um, about this adventure, just in case you're listening to this and you're a player and your DM's going to want to run this adventure for you. Um, but basically, the basic premise is you have to capture this goblin mob boss named Krenko and include some great mystery and intrigue elements, as well as some nice role-playing combat encounters, which help introduce the guilds and the characters of the setting. Uh, it's short and concise. It's probably going to take one to two sessions, maybe three. Um, and it serves its purpose very well and is easy to understand and run. Um, it's a great little adventure. 
not like super detailed or or crazy or long um but it's just it's just a good little addition that that i think uh a lot of dms would really uh really appreciate um now that's kind of it on the running adventures in ravnica once again they have tons of information here i don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of each guild section and all of that um but there's just lots of really cool uh really helpful information and inspiration in this chapter for dungeon masters trying to run adventures trying to run a campaign uh, within this this setting and now I just want to get on to the next chapter which is items and treasures so the uh, chapter 5 treasures uh, kind of starts off with a description of the different kinds of coins and currency in the game um, kind of where they like are printed and stuff and what a copper piece means and what a silver course means coin means and a gold coin and all of that um, and then it kind of gets into guild charms which are basically these these items kind of just anything really like like a symbol um, or like something on a shield or a little, little talisman, uh, something that just holds a guild symbol. Uh, it's these special items that have one-time uses, and they kind of cast spells that are relevant to the affiliated guild. Um, and you can most commonly receive these guild charms from ranking up um, in a guild. Uh, in, in the first part of this review, I talked about the renowned system and ranking up um, within each of the guilds and, and uh, that really cool system there. Typically, when you get to a higher rank within your guild, you'll get uh, a charm based based on the guild that, that you're ranking up in. Um, now, there are nice these these nice organized tables that separate each magic item into the ten guilds where you might uh, encounter them or where you might uh, earn them from when accomplishing a mission for these guilds. Um, I'm not going to get into every single magic item listed here, but just some quick info, real quick. Um, there are only about 15 items in total. Um, not a lot of not a lot of uh, items. Um, in, in this section, which I, I don't think is much of a bad thing. Uh, most of them are pretty cool and interesting. And they fit well into the guilds and the intrigue-centric theme of the setting. Um, I, I think a little more could be cool, but the ones that they do provide are, are pretty cool and pretty pretty awesome. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to uh, be complaining about it. Um, but yeah, I think a couple more items would have would have been cool and fun. This is a very short chapter. Um, but yeah, the, the tables are very nice that kind of separate, uh, not only the magic items provided from the book, but also the magic items from the dungeon master's guide, separating them into the different guilds, uh, and, and stuff. I think that's really cool and helpful. Uh, and, and in the weapons, uh, sorry, the, the weapons and the items once again are, are, are pretty interesting and, and cool. Um, but this is kind of a short chapter. It's pretty brief. You can look at these. Uh, if if you get the book, there's nothing like spectacular or stand out, but I think they're they're mostly pretty cool. Um, so let's just get on to to the bestiary. Okay, so chapter six of this book is called Friends and Foes. Uh, it has uh, it's pretty it's a pretty big chapter. It has all the stat blocks of all the different like monsters and characters um, w within the setting. Um, that once again at the beginning of the chapter, there's these nice organized tables that separate uh, each monster into the affiliated guilds. And also how creatures from the monster manual are altered to fit the setting. So like uh, sphinxes, zombies, giants, like how maybe their appearances are different or some of their abilities are different in this setting. Um, which I think is really cool and interesting. Um, I, I think there's like over 60 new creature stat blocks um, with a large array of creature types, abilities, challenge ratings. So you can run a campaign from level 1 to 20 and there'll still be adversaries that will be able to face off against the party. Um, I, I think that's that's a, a really helpful thing. I think that's really generous to be providing this much uh, uh, stat blocks of monsters and f friends and foes um, in, in this book. 
Um, there are a good amount of creatures affiliated with each guild, um, but there's also tons that can be used for multiple guilds or guildless adventures and encounters. Um, now, more than half, I'd say, of these creatures are pretty interesting and have cool and fresh abilities um, that I'd be excited to use in, in combat. But there are still those that are, you know, simple and boring, like just humanoids that have a basic AC and HP and just weapon attacks, um, which I don't think we need any more of in 5th edition. We have tons of these different kind of stat blocks for monsters in the monster manual and in other, inf and like in other products they, they um, you know, they produce and such. And it kind of annoys me every single time they produce. Uh, there's a stat block of a creature which is just like the same thing as so many other stat blocks but most of these uh in this book are, are pretty cool and interesting and i really like them um so so that's pretty good also if you are a fan of magic the gathering like i am if you play the trading card game um and you're familiar with the cards from the ravnica set uh it is kind of fun to notice how they translated certain card text and abilities into D D stat blocks which i find very cool and satisfying um i like that a lot uh, once again, I'm I'm a big uh, fan of both Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and & Dragons. And one of the reasons I like this book so much, this campaign setting so much, is because I'm already a fan of Magic the Gathering, already a fan of, of Ravnica, uh, um, of the setting. And combining my love of Ravnica and the monsters and stuff there, and Dungeons & Dragons, uh, which is another game I love, is just super awesome for me. Um, and I just really like how they recognize that some of the players... Um, who'd be running campaigns here, um, play Magic the Gathering, and know the cards from that set, and so translate some of the cards, like, abilities into Dungeons & Dragons, into their stat blocks, which, once again, I think I think is really cool. Uh, and just kind of like a little Easter egg for those um, who come from Magic the Gathering and are familiar with the Ravnica cards. I just want to point out as well that there are stat blocks for each guild leader um, that are included. Most of these are very interesting and powerful, and I just really think this is awesome. It's really cool to have these kind of, you know, special characters from the lore. Um, these very powerful, crazy um, leaders of each guild and each of them having their own stat block. It, it really pushes this idea that this world is yours for the taking. Do whatever you want with it. If you're going to have the party level up and eventually have to, like, assassinate a guild leader or interact with a guild leader, fight alongside one, they have the stats for that. Um, they're really, like, not, you know saying, hey, like, we have this canon, we have this thing, world, don't touch it, don't mess it up. They're really just giving all the um, all the creativity and, and everything into the hands of the DM and into the hands of the playgroup to really just, just play your own, ha have fun around in this world, um, do whatever you want, um, which I think is, is really cool, and uh, I, I appreciate that as a lot as a dungeon master. Um, so that's kind of just a talk of, of, the, of the Fringe and Foes chapter once again. I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of all this stuff. If you're going to get the book, you can look through it all. Um, but, of course, the art is amazing, and the design is amazing. And uh, I think most of these monsters are, and, and characters uh, have some really cool abilities uh, and some stuff that hasn't been seen before in Dungeons & Dragons monsters. Okay, let's just get on to my conclusion um, about this, this whole book. Okay, so the first thing I want to mention is that the art and the presentation um, of this book is exceptional and it, it i think it exceeds that of all other DD fifth edition books that have pr been produced thus far um i mean i think that every single artistic and aesthetic choice made for the fifth edition material is brilliant and fantastic and i love it um but this book supersedes all others in my opinion um i'm a big fan of art and magic the gathering art in particular 
I own multiple um, Magic the Gathering art books. Um, but I, first of all, just appreciate the, the design and the art put into the 5th edition books. They're gorgeous. I love the material they used to make the books and the pages. I love the, I've always loved the illustrations and the way they format the books and make them look really enticing and really cool. Um, and as much as I love those, this, this book is even better than all the other books, 5th edition books that I've seen thus far. This one is be very beautiful. I love the design. I love all the art. Um... So I just want to say that first off, uh, this has nothing to do with kind of the content of the book, but it just is very helpful, I think, in being able to imagine the world and getting inspired for the kinds of adventures uh, you'd run in this world or the kind of characters you'd encounter in this world, because the art is just so evocative and so great. Um, now, getting to the actual content and copy of the book, I would say it's definitely worth the buy for Dungeon Masters um, looking for a campaign setting with a focus on intrigue, role-playing, mystery, politics, advanced technology or like an urban setting, and also something that has tons of information and inspiration that makes it easy on them as a dungeon master. Um, also, anyone from the Magic the Gathering community looking to get into D&D uh, will find this book very helpful and comfortable, uh, kind of a, a, a place, uh, you know, something that, that they understand and are kind of comfortable in. So I think this is a really great bridge between uh, D&D and Magic, whether it brings Magic, uh, Denis, you know, Magic the Magic the Gathering players into Dungeons and Dragons, or Dungeons and Dragons players into Magic the Gathering. Um, I just think it, it is a really good product in in that regard. Now, the races and subclasses provided for the players are not exceptional and a little bit underwhelming, um, but the guild mechanic is so fantastic and well developed and thought out that it supersedes all the other drawbacks when it comes to character creation. I talk more about this in the first part uh, um, of this review. And I also worship it a ton because I just really, really like um, um, the the idea of each player choosing a race, a class, as well as a guild, and ranking up in those guilds and getting renown and all that kind of stuff. I really like that a lot. I think it's a super cool aspect. Uh, really, this definitely the, the standout, um, the standout thing from from this book and from this campaign setting. Um, now, this book uh, definitely. Um, has enough content for a playgroup uh, to run a full campaign in Ravnica. So I guess in my opinion, it, it, it does its job perfectly fine. Uh, it does what it exists to do, um, which is help uh, dungeons, dungeon masters and playgroups run a campaign in the world of Ravnica. It has all the information needed to be able to do that, which is the purpose of the book. So it does its job, uh, definitely. Now, I especially enjoy um, the surplus of tables and tables of inspiration, hooks, ideas for both players and the DM. Um, the book doesn't, like, force anything onto the campaign or try to control it, but instead it just provides these small tidbits um, of inspiration for the players and the Dungeon Master to take and personalize, um, which is what I think a very, uh, you know, a good campaign setting should do, and I think it, this does it very well. Um, there are, of course, some kinks and pieces that I don't like about this product, but compared to everything else, I would say this is definitely worth checking out or purchasing. Definitely, if you um, want to start a campaign or you haven't started a campaign yet and you don't really know uh, where to run it yet, um, I definitely uh, suggest picking one of these up, um, looking through it. It's really inspiring. Um, in fact, this just <laughs> taking this book and, and taking a look through it uh, made me want to run my next D&D campaign within the world of Ravnica. I was planning to do kind of a pirate swashbuckling themed one, but I think I'm going to push that off just because I love uh, 
this this book just inspired me so much and, and gave me so many ideas that I really just want to run around like a campaign now um, because of because of this book and, and the help it provides me as a dungeon master. Um, so I'd say definitely worth uh, checking out or purchasing if that's your goal. Um, if you're not really looking for um, a, a campaign setting to run a game and you're already within another game or something, I don't know if this would be super helpful. Um, I think like the guild mechanic and also the, some of the stop blocks on, on the back could be translated into different campaigns and different campaign settings. Um, but the majority of the content here wouldn't be that useful unless you're running a campaign in Ravnica. Okay, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Uh, this one was a lot shorter than than last week's. Um, but hopefully uh, you guys, you know, learned something. Hopefully uh, I, I let you guys know, um, of, you know, whether or not you guys sh- should buy this or not, depending on where you are at as, as a player or a dungeon master. Um, thank you guys so much for listening uh, and have a great day.